You're listening to the Berkeley Technology Law Journal podcast. This is Five Minutes in Tech Law. Here are some recent technology law headlines we thought you should know about. I'm Debbie Mosley, and I'm Yeshi Xu. Today we'll be covering police access to commercial DNA databases, the indictment of two former Twitter employees, Booking.com's trademark protection efforts, and an AT&T FTC settlement. Last week, a Florida detective announced that he had been granted a warrant to search GED Match, a commercial DNA site, for clues in a rape case. According to the New York Times, the warrant means that the police can review its full database of nearly one million users, even though some users have chosen not to share their data with police. After the California police used GED Match in 2018 to identify the Golden State Killer. Who is believed to be responsible for dozens of rapes and murders? Law enforcement agencies rushed to apply the method to their own cases. In response to the attention-grabbing case, GED Match changed its policies in 2018 to make it harder for police to access their data. However, the private settings of GED Match now have been overridden by the new court warrant. Eric Murphy, a law professor at New York University, said that this development is a game changer. It signifies that no genetic information can be saved from access by law enforcement. According to the legal genealogist, the Fourth Amendment protects against unreasonable searches and seizures. This means that to obtain a court warrant, the police need to show evidence specific to a crime can be found in a specific location. Applying this logic to the genetic cases, the warrant application can't just say that quote somebody in the database may possibly be related to the C, our bad guy, so open the gates unquote. It needs to be more specific. But now, as the Florida detective declined to share the warrant or say how it was worded, legal observers are still in the dark about the content and wording of such warrant and how it manages to meet the requirements of the Fourth Amendment. Last Wednesday, the Department of Justice indicted two former Twitter employees, formally accusing them of using their positions at Twitter to spy for the Saudi Arabian government. Elias Barra was employed as an engineer at Twitter, and Aman Abouamo worked at the company as a media partnerships manager in charge of the Middle Eastern region. The criminal complaint against them was filed in the Northern District Court of California, and they are both charged under the United States Code Section 951, acting as agents of foreign governments without notifying the Attorney General. Abuamo is additionally charged under Section 1519 with destruction, alteration, or falsification of records, and obstruction of justice in federal investigation and bankruptcy. The complaint states that the second charge for falsification came after Abuamo allegedly sent fake invoices to the FBI following a request for evidence. Law 360 reports that the two men collaborated to steal private information from Twitter users, including email addresses, IP addresses, and dates of birth, in order to give it to the Saudi Arabian government. The complaint details how the former Twitter employees met a figure named in the complaint as foreign official one, and how shortly after they began collecting private user information of people of interest to foreign official one. For example, the email address of one user who was known for criticizing the regime was accessed at least six times from January to February of 2015. Law 360 reports if the duo was convicted, they could face up to 10 years in prison with a fine of $250,000. For acting as agents of a foreign government without notifying the attorney general, and Abuamo could face an additional 20 years for obstruction of justice. 
Last Friday, the U.S. Supreme Court granted the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office's request to review whether Booking.com's name is entitled to federal trademark protection. According to New York Times, Booking.com, which provides online hotel reservation service, began using its name globally in 2006. The PTO and Trademark Trial and Appeal Board rejected Booking's attempt to register a trademark for Booking.com in 2018. Finding is too generic to deserve legal protection. Under U.S. trademark law, only terms that are source-identifying and distinctive can be protected as a trademark. In other words, the term should distinguish a particular product or service from others on the market, and thus, a generic term can't be trademarked. Booking.com appealed, and the Fourth Circuit reversed Pedio's opinion. Finding that a generic word like booking combined with .com can receive trademark protection if the public's understanding through consumer service shows that the name as a whole is perceived by the public to refer to the brand business rather than the product or service itself. Appealing to the Supreme Court, the PDO contends that the addition of .com to a generic word does not render it distinctive. The Supreme Court will likely hear the case in the spring and decide the case by June. Law360 reports that AT&T has settled with the Federal Trade Commission for $60 million on claims that it slowed down speeds on smartphone unlimited data plans. AT&T slowed its customers' mobile data when they hit a usage threshold of as little as two gigabytes of data in the billing period, despite telling consumers that their data was unlimited. This practice is called throttling, and some features, notably web browsing, were slowed down to such a degree that they became almost impossible to use. This was done to at least 3.5 million consumers as part of the New York Times. Law360 reports that the settlement funds will go to partial refunds to customers who signed up for unlimited plans before 2011 and were throttled. Current customers will receive credits on their bills, and former customers will receive checks. Andrew Smith, the director of the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection, said in a statement, "AT&T promised unlimited data without qualification and failed to deliver on that promise." Along with the financial settlement, AT&T is no longer allowed to make any representations about the speeds or amount of mobile data without disclosing any restrictions, including the words "unlimited." These disclosures need to be prominent and not buried. FTC Commissioner Rohit Chopra remarked in a statement that this settlement is "quote a good window into the many harms that result from dominant companies operating without the discipline of meaningful competition." The settlement amount has been met with criticism, according to Motherboard, Vice News's tech blog. The $60 million settlement was a slap on the wrist for a giant like AT&T. The news site argues that the resources and reach of the FTC are limited, and they are unable to quickly and substantially police the behavior of telecommunications companies from taking advantage of consumers. Thank you for listening. The BDLG podcast is brought to you by Adam Holder and the members of the podcast team at Berkeley Technology Law Journal. Today's episode was written by Ye Shishui and Debbie Mosley. Our producer this week is Barbara Studi-Hladova. We are committed to bringing you interesting news and conversations involving the intersection of technology and the law. If you enjoyed our podcast, please support us by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found our podcast, so we can reach other listeners. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, write us at bdlgpodcast@gmail.com. The information presented is not legal advice and may not be up to date. This podcast is intended for academic and entertainment purposes only. Don't get legal advice from podcasts. Talk to a lawyer.
and how shortly after they began access <laughs> 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 